If God is for us, what do we have to fear? The authority comes from Him. He is the sovereign Lord. And this morning we are going to hear from His Word, which He has given to us. And this book is authoritative because it comes directly from God. So join me if you have your Bibles with you or your electronic apps or the verses will also be up on the screen uh, this morning as we continue in our series in 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. I'll give you a moment to turn there. Uh, Next week we will be finishing up 1 John. And then we will move the next week into 2 John, and then into 3 John, and then into the book of Jude. So we'll just continue through these short books found here at the new end of the New Testament. 1 John chapter 5. John has been talking about Jesus. And then he says this. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. May God bless the reading of his word to us this morning. Kevin Maverick went to his first LSU game in 1996, and he was hooked. The history, the atmosphere, the team. So last year, when the Tigers went to the college football playoff national championship, he poured over the internet trying to find tickets for the game. He knew the odds of finding authentic tickets in his price range was probably futile, but he thought it was worth the shot. Then he found this ad. Two tickets to the championship game for $850 face value. And the person added, I'm just trying to help someone out and bless them. Too good to be true? Probably. But he had to find out. So he was bored. He had lots of time on his hands. So he says, let me see if this guy is legit. So he started a conversation with the seller. And Maverick was leery at first. 
He had lots of questions, but the seller was able to answer every single one of them. Eventually, it got to the point where Kevin asked for the person to send his driver's license just to prove that he was a real person. Uh, Maybe it was still too good to be true, but just maybe these tickets were within his reach. The driver's license certainly looked real. Maverick concluded either one, he's telling the truth and really wants to bless someone else, or two, this person needs to know that someone stole his driver's license and is pretending to be him. You know, as John was writing to the churches, there was false teaching that was going on. There were heretics that were preaching a false gospel. Remember, we've talked about the Gnostics and how they said that Jesus really wasn't Jesus in the flesh because they viewed the flesh as being evil in and of itself. And they were spreading other false truths. And there were people who believed them and were following them. One of their leaders was very persuasive, and so he was known as being a fine orator, and so people followed along and believed what he said. So John is writing to them to make sure that what he, that they understand that what he is presenting is legit and true, and what the false teachers were presenting was false. So if we sum this passage down that we're looking at this morning, I feel I can sum it down into this statement. Know the Son and know life. Know Son, know life. Could you say that together with me this morning? Know the Son no life. No son, no life. Now, you can see from this that the Apostle John is being very narrow and very dogmatic in his thinking. He never would have approved of attitudes of today. You know, we have some that tell us, believe whatever you want to, just be sincere in your belief, and that's good enough. We have those who would tell us today that there are many roads that lead to heaven. Just follow sincerely the one that you want to follow. And then we have those that would tell us today there's no such thing as absolute truth. So all that really matters is your own truth. Decide on what is truth for you and just believe in what you believe in. But over against that, John is very clear, isn't he? Say it again with me this morning. Know the Son, no life. No Son, no life. See, we're coming to this passage of Scripture this morning, and Martin Lloyd-Jones said this about this passage of Scripture. Now, there can be no question at all but that these three verses are not only the most difficult verses in the epistle, but I think they are the most difficult verses, in a sense, 
in the entire Bible. Look at them again. The testimony of three in verses six through eight. What is he talking about here when he talks about the testimony of three? Well, first of all, to understand this passage, we need to zero in on that word testimony, or in some of your translations, it's translated witness. Its root is a word that means one who has knowledge of something or recollection of something and can tell us about it. That's a witness. Someone who can remember and report. Someone who knows and can inform us. This particular word, the root word for the term witness or testimony, is used nine times in the verses that we're looking at in some form. It's used 168 times in the New Testament. It's the, the Greek word martis, from which we get our word martyr. Well, how did the meaning of this word go from one who bears testimony, one who gives a witness, to a martyr? Well, it became that because as the early Christians gave testimony and gave witness about Christ, what happened to them? They were put to death. And so, this word martyr comes from one who testifies or gives witness and ends up giving their life for it. And so, understanding this, that the key truth running through here is about the testimony, is about the witness. And remember who it is that's writing this book. It's the Apostle John, one of the twelve apostles, one who was a part of the inner three, one who saw firsthand, and he is bearing witness of what he saw and what he heard. Now, it's very important in a biblical sense for witness to be borne out by more than one. That's always the standard in the Bible, that for something to be true, there has to be, or at least for it to be brought up, there have to be two or three witnesses to it. That standard comes from Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15. A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or any wrong in connection with any offense that has been committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. So in order for something to be established, for a charge to be made against someone, it must be established at the word of two or three individuals. So that is the standard that follows through in the Scripture. In 1 Timothy 5.19, Paul is consistent with that, saying that no one should bring an accusation against an elder unless it is confirmed in the mouth of two or three witnesses. 
when we come to the issue of church discipline that was laid out by Jesus. In order for that issue to be brought before the church, it needs to be established at the mouth of what? Two or three witnesses. So as we come to this passage of Scripture, and as John is bearing witness to the truth, he is going to do so on the basis of three witnesses. Now, he tells us these three witnesses, that these three witnesses are going to be the water, the blood, and the Spirit. All right. So, as we look at that, here's where the question comes in. What does he mean by the water, the blood, and the Spirit? And we're going to examine each one of them. This is where the difficulty comes in. What does water mean? What does blood mean? What does the Spirit mean? And as with all difficult passages in the Word of God, you can guess it, there are a variety of opinions as to what John means as he writes these things. So I'm going to give you some of the views, and then I'm going to tell you what I think from the passage. There are actually four views as to what is meant by the water, the blood, and the Spirit. Some understand the water and blood as a symbolic reference to baptism and communion. That was Martin Luther's view. This means baptism, that's the water, communion, where we take of the cup, that represents the blood, and so then the Spirit of God working through that, that represents the three witnesses. There's a second view that believes that what John is talking about is the blood and the water that flowed from the side of Jesus when he was pierced on the cross. Remember, John wrote that the the centurion took his spear, put it into the side of Jesus, and blood and water ran There's a third view that is held by John Calvin and by Charles Spurgeon, and they viewed the water referring to Old Testament purification and the blood, the sacrifice that was made by Jesus on the cross. And then there's a fourth view. And the fourth view takes into view that the water represents the baptism of Jesus at the outset of his earthly ministry, and the blood is a reference to his death on the cross. Now, I personally think that the most consistent view and the view that would seem to flow best within the passage is that fourth view that it's a reference to the beginning of Christ's ministry and the end of Christ's ministry, beginning with the baptism and ending with his death on the cross. You say, well, Butch, why do you say that? Because the context is a testimony is being given forth. A testimony, someone is witnessing that these things are true. 
When Jesus was baptized, we're told in Matthew 3, verses 16 and 17, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. Now notice what happened. The heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Do you see how there's a testimony being made there? When he is baptized, we have the testimony coming from God in that he speaks forth and says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We have the Spirit of God descending like a dove upon him, marking that the testimony of Jesus is true. So when John calls and he says, this testimony is true, and it came by the water and the blood and the Spirit, I believe it's referring in water to his baptism at the beginning of his ministry. Next, we have the testimony from his blood that was shed upon the cross. Remember what happened when Jesus was crucified? Just think of some of the things that occurred that were told in the Gospels about that were miracles connected to his death. There was darkness over the entire earth in the middle of the day. The veil in the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth shook and trembled, so it was an earthquake. The tombs were open, and dead people walked into the city of Jerusalem. Now, this is not the night of the living dead, talking about zombies here, but this is talking about God raising up some of the saints of the Old Testament who then go into the city of Jerusalem and bear witness about Christ. Close to the time of Jesus going to the cross, In John chapter 12, in verses 27 and 28, Jesus says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. You see the Father speaking once again, bearing witness to the fact that Jesus is his Son, that Jesus is going to be glorified again. Remember Jesus said, and I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So I think the blood here refers to his death upon the cross. So his baptism and his blood shed upon the cross both bear witness. And then the third witness that we have is the Spirit. Verse 8, the Spirit and the water and the blood, these three agree. 
Well, how did the Spirit bear witness to him? Well, he was conceived by the Spirit. The virgin birth is a testimony about Jesus. We already saw that at his baptism, what did the Spirit do? Descended and rested upon him. And the Spirit continues to bear witness of Christ in the world today. If you are here and know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it is because the Spirit of God did a work within your heart and within your life. So these three bear witness. So I believe John's talking about the testimony of the three, the water, the blood, and the Spirit. They all three testify, and at the mouth of two or three witnesses shall something be established. And so, as we look at the overall view of these verses, what are they testifying to? Know the Son and know life. No Son, no life. Say that again with me this morning. Know the Son, no life. No Son, no life. Uh, John then says in verses 9 and 10, this is the testimony of God. And notice what he says. First of all, he says it's greater than man's testimony. If we receive the testimony of men, verse 9, The testimony of God is greater. Wow. Is there anyone that would question that the testimony of the omniscient God who knows everything is greater than that of any man? It's what John is saying to them. Don't listen to just what men have to say. Listen to what God says has to say, because God's testimony is greater. And we've already seen he testified at the baptism of Jesus. He testifies at the death of Jesus. He testified through the Spirit at the birth of Jesus and all throughout the ministry of Jesus and continues to bear witness to our hearts this very day. It is the testimony of of God. So if we're going to believe God, we're going to accept the testimony of these three. Verse 10 says, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. What's the results of rejecting the truth of the Word of God? You are calling God a liar. If you choose to accept and believe the testimony of the heretics, if you accept some false doctrine, if you trust in anything other than Jesus Christ for your salvation, what you're saying is, God, you're a liar when you say there's one and only one way, and that is through my son, Jesus. 
You're saying that God is a liar when he says, if you have the Son, you have life, and if you don't have the Son, you do not have life, because this is not the mere testimony of men, and that's what John is establishing with these churches and what he wants to establish with us today. The testimony of God boils down to this simple formula. Let's say it together one more time. The testimony is this. Know the Son, no life. No Son, no life. This is the true message as opposed to the counterfeit message. Now, I know you're all wanting to know what happened with Kevin Maverick and with those tickets. I left you hanging intentionally. Well, armed with a picture of a driver's license and a name, Maverick headed back to the internet, searching social media and looking for the man in the picture. He found him on something called LinkedIn. So Maverick emailed him asking if he was selling LSU tickets. His reaction, Maverick said, was an abrupt, absolutely not. This is not me. Send me what you have. Somebody stole my license in Los Angeles three weeks ago. They've been opening accounts in my name. So Maverick lost out on his championship tickets. But he and the man he found online hatched a plan. It required required getting a second buyer for the tickets. A buyer who contacted the seller uh, about buying them. So he, this other anonymous person, asked the seller to send his bank account and routing number so they could send him money for the tickets. Well, when the individual did that, it became a federal crime. And at this point, they got the FBI involved. So the next day, uh, the gentleman texted Maverick and said, We got him. The feds have him now. Maverick could relax knowing he had done the right thing, even if it meant missing uh, the game. He had done the right thing. He helped a complete stranger get his life back. Later that week, he got a text message Hey, check your email. In his email, were two tickets to the national championship game. It's unbelievable, Maverick said. The stranger whose identity had been stolen was so thankful to get his identity back that he went out and purchased two tickets to the game and sent them to Maverick. So now, Maverick was able to go to the game with two legitimate tickets, not two fake tickets where he would have been turned away. On a spiritual level, 
It is much, much more important than tickets to a football game to know that you are believing in the truth. And that through Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible, that you are saved. How sad it would be for someone to be trusting in the teaching of false teachers and spend eternity condemned because they trusted the wrong thing. So let me ask you this morning, as I ask you often, what are you trusting in for your salvation? What are you trusting in that you might have life? Because John's message is very clear Say it with me one last time this morning. Know the Son, no light. No Son, no light. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. And we thank you this morning that you have revealed the Son to us. We thank you for the testimony that we receive. And we thank you that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we are given eternal life. Help us, Lord, that we might live in light of this truth. May we be faithful to serve you and to proclaim this message throughout the world. We thank you that we know your Son. And through that, we have eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.